Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month we're discussing book 24, The Fifth Elephant. It's a uh, pune or play on words, you see. Uh, uh, the fifth elephant. It's like that movie. Yeah. Only not. Also, it's so fucking good. It's quite, quite good. We are definitely in the era mm-hmm. of the very good books now. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, because for a little while, it was like, they're getting good. And then there would be a dud. Mm-hmm. And okay, but they're definitely getting good. And then they wouldn't. And now it's like, no, this this is almost like a sequel to Carpe Jugulum. It's not. but It's also a direct sequel to Jingo. It is. Like we the the events take place That's like true. almost immediately after. It is also obviously a prequel to Thud. Yeah. Which is my favorite book of the series. And there's so many things that I mix up because mm-hmm. so many of the events in this lead into the events of that. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. And I don't know if that was planned or if he just looked over his old book and took things from that and put it in the new maybe, book. Maybe or maybe it was like I didn't get to all the themes I wanted mm-hmm. to. Let me use them again. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. At this point, some clear things happen in the story that are meant to be continued upon. Right. Uh, but it could also just be some ideas he fell in love with and said, hey, I want to do true. this more. Yeah. Uh, but go ahead and give your... Oh, my God. Your summary is so long. I know. It's so long. Ugh, well, go it's ahead. It's interminable. Yep. Sam Vimes goes to Uberwald. Angua fights her brother. Ugh. Two sentences. I fell asleep during I that. Know. What was the rest of it? Yeah. Yeah. No, there were there there's were subplots. There's a lot of plot, and there's one. a lot you didn't say because yeah. because of our running thing of keeping yes. it as short as possible. God, this was such a long summary. There's I agonized. There's a lot going on, and every character gets something to do, mm-hmm. which is nice. That's not always the case in these big ensemble books. Um, and even back home, mm-hmm. there's a nice little funny plot that kind of cuts some of the the tension darker mm-hmm. tension of the of the other of the main plot which is good yeah so sam and um some of the watch guys get sent to Uberwald, mm-hmm. and back home you've got colin and nobby who get left in charge and a bunch of the new watchmen we've heard yeah. name check but don't like dorful mm-hmm. and like uh, um, reg is there visit yeah guys we kind of know but none of the guys we've gotten to know from the beginning it's yeah. these two and everyone else and Things fall to pieces because you need to have Vimes or Carrot there. Well, Carrot is originally left in charge, and yep. everyone knows that's going to be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. And then Carrot realizes Angua's gone back home and mm-hmm. chases after her. Yep. And who's next in line then? Oh, God. Fred Oh, God, Colin. it's Fred Colin. Oh, Actually, God. Vetinari says, I'm going to do something I promised myself I would never do, mm-hmm. and that was promote Fred. Yep. But then... <laughs> Let's just talk about that now because there's so much okay, there's, meat to the book that this is nothing. This is a whole separate little short story. Yeah, that, but it it's good, it, and it's not like some of his other books. No, it's not it's like, like Reaper like, Man. This, yeah, this is a short story in another book. No, it's what was happening back home yep. while, and every now and then we have to send a message back mm-hmm. home or like something relates to the other plot. And some things happen in Ankh-Morpork that affect what's yes. happening in Uberwald. Yes, so it's it's connected they are not just that these characters happen to know each other right it's not padding it's it is part of the book but i do love as things get worse Mm -hmm. and worse and then the Mm -hmm. watch unionizes and Mm -hmm. strikes because colon is the worst leader ever he's terrible he's a sergeant sergeants are meant to take orders from officers who then pass the orders down to the men and if he's you not read, supposed to be the top guy if you read a lot of military fiction pass orders on and improve them and fix them and take the worst of the crazy out i worked around mm-hmm. a lot of military guys and 
the joke that every sergeant level guy, mm-hmm. like I work mostly around Navy guys, mm-hmm. so the sergeant is a chief, but same thing. They're, Master chief, the, like the video James. Yeah, well, that's like a, a staff sergeant. I know. Like there's, there's levels of sergeant, just I, like there are alleged levels of chief. The, the way that I know military rank is because I read a lot of sci-fi with future military yeah, that's thank- the only that's the only reason i know thankfully i worked around the navy and i knew all the navy ranks because of star trek yeah <laughs> otherwise i would not know that a captain outranks a commander necessarily because a captain and like in the army Com- is not as high and commander sounds like more. he's the commander he commands he, he commands no captain is more on a boat that's how you remember that in the navy on a boat the captain is the, the most. commander hangs tightly to the ceiling but the joke that they love that's the joke that you love yes but one the, of the jokes the other one is uh getting across the grain yes uh but the joke that that like high level enlisted guys mm-hmm. love is uh don't call me sir i work for a living right because they think officers are the educated like mm-hmm. elitists they're in charge because they went to college but right. not because they actually know anything and Colin's attitude. Colin thinks that. Well, Colin's attitude has never exactly been that yeah. because he loves Vimes and he mm-hmm. loves Carrot. I feel like he would feel that way if there were other officers he didn't like. Right. But because these two men he respects, he doesn't. But once they're out of the picture, he starts drifting toward that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they don't know how to officer, but I know how to officer. And I know how to officer because I was a sergeant and a sergeant right. is the best thing to be. So I know everything. Yes. And he just turns into this weird, paranoid. Well, he knows all the tricks yeah. that like uh, enlisted guys know yeah. to make fun of officers mm-hmm. and he assumes everyone's doing it to him all the time and that all rang true for me some of the mm-hmm. stuff with the sugar lumps being stolen was a little broad and repetitive yeah. like it was funny at first but then that was all it was was sugars and it's like the, what about all other things there are tricks what about all the other yeah, tricks? talk about the tricks talk about the things there's a really good line because nobby is trying to support fred because he thinks nobby thinks that he's going to get promoted yeah I'm, um, i'd be next in line for sergeant obviously yeah, so if I you're should, getting promoted yeah and so uh one of the uh the uh, uh the corporal's uh ping mm-hmm. uh, says something smart to him and he says don't nobby me ping mm-hmm. like you don't get to do that i know that yep and more of that would have been good. And some of the um, some of the stuff about unionizing the watch was pretty good because yeah. Reg knows about organizing because he's the like he runs the undead rights campaign. Yeah, and that's all been a bit broad so far yeah. and a bit a little oh PC. Am I right? Yeah. Like fuck oh, you. the undead are asking for rights now. Who's next? Everyone. He's... Everyone is next. Everyone should have all please, rights. Please don't shout into the microphone. Oh. Now I have to. You have messed up my editing. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's not fun. It's not fun. No. Do you want to recut that? No. It's too late. Now. Okay. Unless we start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. Let's no. not do that. Um, But that is something about Reg that gets better. And Terry Pratchett gets better. Yeah. He realizes, oh, punch up. Um, but like I say, a little of that is repetitive. But yeah. overall, I like, I like the idea of who do you leave in charge if the most interesting good leaders are right. away. Honestly, oh, it's this guy. You should leave Dorval in charge, who has a strong moral compass. Mm, yeah, but, you know, that's not how a military-style organization works. They're no. not the military, which they made very clear in Jingo. Right, and in this, too. But they're structured yeah. like a military, and rank means yeah. who's in charge. That's, it has to be. It has to be a chain of command. Although there is a nice moment where Vimes, proving a point, orders Detritus to do something horrible. And he won't. And he won't. Like, no, I'm still a moral person, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Which is nice. But I think that's about all there is. The, 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 the sort of the punchline of mm-hmm. that is at one point, Vetinari checks up mm-hmm. on what's going on and is like, there's no crime right now. 
uh, I'm going to anonymously send these striking watchmen some pastries. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of it, and everything will be resolved when Vimes comes back. Yeah, it's all fine. There's no crime because everyone knows Vimes is coming back. Yeah, the teacher's and... out of the room for a minute, but when the teacher comes back, you are all in trouble. And Vimes is upset, mm -hmm. and when he comes back, he's going to be upset at everyone, so you just want to make sure that everything's nice and quiet. The moment when Navi mm -hmm. realizes, we've all been playing around, and this is all ridiculous, oh shit. The, the line is, Mr. Vimes is going to go spare, which mm -hmm. I was not familiar with that expression before mm -hmm. but now i am because he the, the terror mm -hmm. that's put in in the read and in the text is oh i know what go spare means yeah yeah uh, vimes is not gonna like this that was all very good and um uh, speaking of delivery mm -hmm. this is the book that switches oh yeah the from narrators. nigel planer to stephen briggs mm -hmm. stephen briggs has a lot of good voices that nigel planer didn't but he has fewer voices mm -hmm. And I don't like his narrative style as much. And some of it is just an adjustment for me. But because I I'm such a voice guy. I think I actually slightly prefer the new new I've, one, new one Stephen Briggs, right? Yes. I think I actually prefer Stephen Briggs. I think Stephen Briggs is a better actor. Mm, I could see that. I don't know that I agree with it, but I can see a point being made for but that. But there's, there's a lot of moments in this that he mm -hmm. really sells. There are, but then there's also some real duds. Yeah. His death sounds oh, his like this. death is miserable. Yeah. I like his Vimes a lot. Yes. his I believe, well, I know for a fact that he got the gig because he adapted Discworld uh, as plays. And he played some of the main characters on stage. And I thought he played Vetinari, but I think he might also play Vimes. No or idea. Different. I'm, anyway, I'm pretty sure his Vimes is sort of the definitive mm -hmm. Vimes to a lot of people for that. But because we started with the first several books with Nigel Planer. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that doesn't sound right. And his choice for Colin, I don't particularly care for. I you actually do. like his choice for mm -hmm. Colin because there's sort of a stock comedy character in English stuff where you've got a low-level officer trying to act fancy. Right. And that's the voice he's given Colin, which I think... I mean, officer. Yeah. That sort of thing. Like the affected... Right. Like the guy who doesn't actually know BBC English, but mm -hmm. he's pretending like he does. Yeah, I get that. I don't know, because Nigel Planer did him as like an Irish cop. I kind of like that, too. But I, I like the Irish cop, too, but I think I, I like this choice. But I understand it's a jarring change. He doesn't, he doesn't have enough variation. Mm -hmm. Like, all his Überwald accents are German. This sort of German accent that mm -hmm. everyone does. And everyone goes high with it and mm -hmm. clipped. Like, this is how every single German person sounds, no matter if you're playing Hitler or some good German person who doesn't come to mind. There must be some somewhere. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like every single person and every character from Movie World has that voice. And it's like, oh, whereas Nigel Planer would mm -hmm. do, say, Trolls, and he would do four different voices right. in Scottish accents that were all distinct characters. He does a lot of the dwarves Welsh, yes. which I like. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, because we have a lot of dwarves coming from Clemidos, mm -hmm. um, where we've already said it is Wales. Mm -hmm. So that, that makes sense. There's not always a one-for-one -one lineup, though, no. because Uberwald is Germany, and it's also Russia, yeah. and it's also Transylvania, yep. and it's also the Holy Roman Empire I yep. was reading. Like, there's a lot of different... It's Eastern Europe, but also Germany. It, it's, it's Eastern Europe, a lot of it through the eyes of Hammer Horror. Yeah. Like, where it's sort of like... You know where the Draculas live at, and I'm I'm fine yeah. with all that. But there was specific things about what was clearly German food, and right. specific things about. And we had some Russian literature jokes that were clearly that I like. There was a weird mm -hmm. 
like sidetrack to Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard, yes. which I am completely unfamiliar with. I heard it referenced in a Python sketch once. Right. That's all I know about Chekhov's it. Chekhov's stuff is good. It's sad. I'm I'm sure it is. Oh, it's so sad. But what I'm saying is I'm completely unfamiliar with it, and yet it completely mm-hmm. worked. This is how you reference. Right. It's not, do you get it? Do you get it? It's, I don't care if you get it. I'm going to strip it down to the basic parts so you still get it. It's these three like sisters spinster sisters living on this cherry orchard out in the middle of nowhere being sad Mm -hmm. and And one of them does not want to be there yeah she says like let's we could cut down the cherry orchard and build a roller skating rink (laughs) Uh and she's so funny yeah it's 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 almost too broad but it's exactly on the like right on the line Mm -hmm. on the correct side of the line and at one point because this happens while vimes is being chased and he runs onto their farm and he's like, do you have any weapons? No, no. Well, I have this very sharp axe lying around. Were you going to cut down the cherry orchard? With- no. What? No, I just have an axe. Just in case I needed it. And it's all... axe. It's just an indication of how much of a better writer yeah. Pratchett's become because it's no longer elbowing you in the ribs. It's bringing you along for the ride. And it doesn't matter if you don't have the frame That's of what reference. I'm saying. It brings you yeah. along. It's the way he wrote... I talked about this in the last book. Vampires. Mm-hmm. I don't know shit about vampires. I knew everything I needed to know about his vampires in 10 pages. And right. same with werewolves in this. But if you do, if you know that stuff, there's nice things for you to pick up on and go, oh, yeah. I imagine so. That's that's what's good about him is mm-hmm. he can explain it to the new people, but also leave enough in for the people who know what they're talking about. And that's why I think this is very much a companion volume to Carpe Jugulum. There's none of the same characters. Apart from Uberwald, there's mm-hmm. none of the same situations, but it's still very much here's vampires, here's werewolves. Here's how the two most headstrong characters mm-hmm. in this entire series deal with two very powerful mythical forces that try to take your will or kill you or whatever. And this is the modernizing thing again, because mm-hmm. before, like when the world was sort of a bigger place, it didn't matter what the werewolves and vampires yeah. were up to because they were so far away. Yeah, they're off in that distant land. Who yeah, cares? Yeah, but nothing's distant anymore. And it was a joke in uh, Carpe Jugulum that, you know, uh, the Muntab question and when right. uh, this guy caught, like when um, Clatch coughs and Kamorkaport gets the sniffles. Right. But that's true. The world is becoming a smaller place and a more connected place. So what happens with the vampires and werewolves like matters now to and people I, in Ankh-Morpur. And I don't think what happened in Carpe, like I don't think there's any, the, these could be happening concurrently. They right. could be happening. It's not like more time has passed. It's the way Lankra sees it versus the way the city sees right. it is all. But the world is changing regardless. And how the witches and the watch deal with it. Right. And certain ways that Vimes approaches all of this is Mm -hmm. very similar, different enough that they're very distinct characters, but very similar to the way Granny, particularly the way he sees vampires, is very similar. I think there was even like one line where it's like, that's exactly what Granny said. Mm -hmm. And it's nice. And they even mention when they're taking their long trip going through Lankra, and it's like, there could have been a crossover moment there. It probably would have been contrived, and it's probably best that he didn't. But But they do go by Lankra. My headcanon is Mm -hmm. that they bumped into them at some point. That's all. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it takes place in the same world and it's in that same sort of part of the world. Yeah. And one of the ways the world is becoming smaller mm-hmm. is this is a huge thing that mm-hmm. will carry through the rest of the series is the clacks. Right. Which is a series of semaphore towers. Mm-hmm. It's basically Terry Pratchett's taking medieval technology. Like, what are they capable of in medieval times? Right. That would work like the internet. It's a very good extrapolation because semaphore 
has been around since forever. Since it's always. just using a series of flags, or in this case, they're like, um, they're like automated slats, yeah, yeah to send kind messages. Of mor- Morsey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, across distances. And if you have a bunch of them mm-hmm. arranged in a network, then you can send messages from one tower to the next, to the next, to the next, all the way to the end of the disk. And that's actually a thing... Um, like warning towers used to be set up that yeah. way where you had towers with an eye shot of each other. And if you saw, you know, yeah. uh, an invading army coming, you lit the one and then they lit them all the way right. back to the where your, yeah. your guys' army all of was. The, but nobody just took... It's kind of like, I think it's the Aztecs who had toys with wheels mm-hmm. on them, but it never occurred to them, as far as we know, maybe it did, but it never occurred to them to put wheels on things. Or the Greeks who had... Like steam, steam power, power but, but maybe didn't they, use they it. didn't either think to use it like it was used for toys or right. they didn't have the strength of metal to right. do anything larger like they're... yeah no i like whenever he says mm-hmm. rather than leaping hugely forward with some magic thing that just occurs to someone instead using everything we know they're capable of now basically the internet exists and now that Nari can know what's going on in Uberwald within right. the same day. It's kind of like that. Is it Ryan North that did the book about if you were a time traveler, these yes. are the skills you would need? Yes. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. It was a very good book, by the way. Um, But because of that and because of the, like, mm-hmm. it's making the world smaller and it's making diplomacy more important, that uh, Nari reminds Vimes, well, I wouldn't send the captain or, you know, the commander of mm-hmm. the watch to... Uh, to be a, a diplomat, land. yeah. But you are also a duke now. Oh, and then there's a really nice shift, and I love Vetinari so much because mm-hmm. uh, Vimes is like, you can't make me go. And Vetinari says, I would never, your grace, I uh-huh. would never tell a duke what to do. Yep. But I was talking to Sybil, and she said you could use a vacation. Uh-huh. And so... With one hand, he says, of course I won't. And with the other... He says, you're already going. You're already going. Uh-huh. But I like... Sybil, who calls Vetinari Havelock. Yeah. The only person in the series, except yep. maybe Lady Margolotta, who, who not calls just, him that. Not just yet. Yeah. But they're setting that relationship up as well. Um, they. Once yeah. again. Terry um, Pratchett. Yes. The, <laughs> the writer's room of Terry the Pratchett. The plural Terry Pratchett. Yeah. The... But I, I like the idea of him having all these titles heaped upon him, mm-hmm. and I'm just rolling his eyes. Okay, fine. I'm I'm Sir Sam Vimes, mm-hmm. Duke of Ankh, whatever. Blah blah blah. But now realizing what that means, what that means is you have a job and you have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. You represent your city. You are nobility. We need a noble to go represent our interests in, as the dwarfs are being like uh, uh, crowning a king. We mm-hmm. haven't talked about that yet. And guess what? That's you. You have to go. And. It's your job. It never occurred to him, like, ah, nobility, it means nothing. Right. No, no, it does mean something. You have to do things. Yeah, you see these people as, like, upper-class twits, and they are, but also, there's, there's there are jobs. Job there. Yeah, and yeah. you have one. Just like before, when you talked about raising an army, mm-hmm. you use that to your advantage. Well, guess what? Ha-ha. <laughs> Nari can use it to his advantage, too. You worked for the city for an, in a number of capacities now. And I like that. I don't like he's a diplomat, but I also like... He can't ever stop being a cop. There's a, a good joke in this um, about where you have policemen, you have crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's another good joke because every time Vimes goes somewhere, there's some major plot mm-hmm. like or crime or well, whatever it's a, happening. It's, it's, a, it's a meta thing yeah. saying whenever you write a book about a cop going on vacation, there's a crime. But It's the same with the detective books. Turning like, it around yeah. and saying no, but what it is. If 
Poirot goes on yeah. a beach vacation, a dead body's going to show up. There. Yeah. And it's that thing that superhero comics talk about sometimes. It's there isn't a Joker and a Penguin <laughs> and a Riddler until there's a Batman. Right. <laughs> Suddenly, crime has gotten worse because, you know, and so on. So that's like that. I like winking. Yeah. And saying you're the cause of it. Not it's not fortunate you were there. This all stuff probably wouldn't have even happened if you mm-hmm. weren't there. And that's true of a lot of the Vime stuff. It is. And it will continue to happen. There's mm-hmm. a lot more books with this guy. And I like that. So they, they travel uh, to Uberwald. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vetinari has sent a, a clerk, or as the British say, Clark. Never Inigo understand Skimmer, that. Yes. Who's one of Vetinari's dark clerks. Mm-hmm. Which are... Or dirk clerks, I dirk, guess. Dirk clerks. Uh-huh. Um, who are trained at the assassin school. Yeah, but... Vimes doesn't know that at first. He, was, he figured it he out figures pretty it out. quick. He does. There's a great bit because Vimes throws an orange at him. Mm-hmm. And instead of catching it or like... Flinching. Yeah, or ducking out of the way, he just lets it hit him, mm-hmm. which is not something a person does. No, it's a person who doesn't want to give away that they're an assassin, but also doesn't have a natural instinct to flinch. Mm-hmm. Like either way, you're There's ratting yourself yeah. out. No, I like that. And... It is the first and not the best, but still a good mm-hmm. representation of uh, a thing Terry Pratchett will come back to, which is the action bureaucrat. One of your favorite things. I love an action bureaucrat. I love Amanda Waller in mm-hmm. Justice League, and I love, this is all headcanon, mm-hmm. but the Jedi librarian in mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones, who I just assumed was this super badass old lady who mm-hmm. watched the books, and... Inigo Skinner, Skimmer's pretty good. There's a better one in Thud. So much, like, I will go on and on about Thud because it's my literally my favorite book, not just of this series, but of all. And there's a lot of stuff in here that sets up or mm-hmm. is done just a little bit better in that book. Well, Terry Pratchett does do that thing, and we've talked about this before, where he has an idea and mm-hmm. he comes back to the idea a couple of times and gets it, better each time. But instead of it being Fifth Elephant 2.0, it's the Sixth not. Elephant, yeah. It's just a continuation, and I like that. So as they're as they're making their way mm-hmm. through, um, they're uh, attacked by uh, bandits mm-hmm. or whatever, and because they have this assassin with them, they're like Vimes does his part, but so does Detritus. Yeah, yeah. But Inigo really does the majority of the murdering, and this results in this pond ripple mm-hmm. of Vimes' reputation. Before they get to Uberwald, everyone knows he's this maniac who killed 30 people and a dog yeah that's the thing is it for when at first they're like oh he he cleared out a nest of like six bandits seven in one blow yeah oh Mm -hmm. no and then by the time he gets there there's like he he killed 30 men with one hand tied behind his back and a dog Mm -hmm. and his and his uh his his staff was cowering in the Mm -hmm. coach it was all him Mm -hmm. and i like that because early in the book it talks about how quickly bad news travels and how like like you know and the clax certainly helps with that and that's a big part of when they get there uh the werewolves in particular it's yep. the place is run by the dwarfs the vampires and the werewolves yeah, and it's called the um what is it the the, the arrangement the or something yeah. like that yeah um because the dwarves rule things underground mm-hmm. and the werewolves like rule the woods and the vampires rule the cities and right they, they sort of it all works. It all, they all don't trust each other, but it all kind of works. They all have about the equal amount of power, and they're all right. sort of looking for the next thing. And they have to concede to things like the mm-hmm. dwarfs aren't allowed to, to mine silver. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so that that's... Right. But the big sort of conflict mm-hmm. is 
Well, one, the dwarfs are having to now deal with things like Cheery. And which we should come back to. Yeah, we should definitely talk about yes. uh, about uh, Cheery. But uh, also they have to deal with um, the fact that Ankh Morpork is now a massive dwarf city. It's now the largest dwarf city. And yeah. Fine's like, it's not a dwarf city. And he's like, wait a minute. Think about how many dwarfs there are. Yeah. Think about how many there are here in their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is a city and the biggest one. And Ankh-Morpork is also a brain drain because mm-hmm. it's taking the best and the brightest yeah. from Uberwald to Ankh-Morpork where they can like do their weird experiments and they can make money and yeah. like nobody cares what the hell they get up to. Right. And the, but the, the like, so that's a mm-hmm. thing because the dwarfs are wrestling with like mm-hmm. conservative versus more liberal, mm-hmm. you know, more progressive elements. But the the main thing is the clacks mm-hmm. and the civilizing mm-hmm. of of the country and the werewolves in particular really reject this and and spit out the word civilized mm-hmm. like it's like it's the worst swear word you could imagine. Well, we meet. Uh, the, it turns out that the 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 werewolves in charge are Angua's family. I thought that. I mean, it was set up in previous books, yeah. but from the beginning. It didn't feel like part of her backstory. It felt like something he came up with later. It felt it does, yeah. out of nowhere, not in this book, but in a book or two back. Like she's really she's the most she's from the most important family in a giant country. Mm-hmm. Really, she just seems like some werewolf chick to me. Mm-hmm. But what? Whatever. 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 Like yeah. Um, and Wolfgang is her brother, mm-hmm. who's the like one of the villains of yes. this, and he. Uh, just thinks werewolves should be in charge of everything, and he believes in you know uh, rule through strength and all of mm-hmm. that bullshit. And Angua hates him, mm-hmm. um, and he probably killed their sister, right? Um, and chased off their other brother. Mm-hmm. And um, her dad, the Baron, has spent so much time in wolf form that he he doesn't really he's not really a guy anymore. Th- he's more of a dog. I thought first of all that was funny, but it also was. there was some real sad parallels to watching a family member go mm-hmm. through what Terry Pratchett would eventually go through. Like, but it really, it was like a deterioration. Mm-hmm. So like on the one hand, yeah, it's funny cause he's a dog. And there on, was some good stuff cause all of his lines, and this was a Stephen, a good Stephen Briggs delivery. Yeah. He barks out his words. Yes. Like, Woof, happy to see you. Happy to see you. Welcome but in. <laughs> but it's never complete sentences either. No. It's always one word. Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. Happy. That's yeah. it. And I liked that. Um, but again, if you think about it for mm-hmm. a minute, it also has a nice undercurrent of dementia, Alzheimer's, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, because Angua talks about how it affected her right. and how rough it is. And like, oh, yeah, so it, it can be two things. Uh-huh. Good job. Uh-huh. That's, this is Terry Pratchett at his best. Yep. It can be a dumb joke and also something serious and deep. And the whole civilized thing, uh-huh. the whole like Wolfgang just constantly rejects the way Vimes follows the rule of law mm-hmm. and gives people rights and well, things like Wolfgang that. Wolfgang thinks you should be able to get what you grab yeah. and do what you want unless someone can stop you. Yeah. And yeah. where they come from, humans are chased by werewolves all the time, but mm-hmm. there's a game where if you escape, you get nice money enough to start your own business. Mm-hmm. And that makes it okay to murder people. Mm-hmm. And Wolfgang cheats. Well, yeah, he so definitely cheats not, against Vines. We he, don't no, know. He, he, he cheats okay. always. Angua says when it wasn't good when their father was running things because they were right, still right. like chasing humans, but a human could win. Right. But when Wolfgang does it, you don't get to win. Ah, so gotcha. it's a brutal, terrible thing anyway, and you can't win it. Right. Um, 
so we have Angua going back home to have to deal with all this and Carrot following behind her, which I like. Mm -hmm. And Carrot, because he doesn't, like, he's going to have to communicate with wolves, brings the talking dog with him. Yep, and he needs uh, Gasboat as a tracker to find her. Right, right, exactly. And I like... I like that. I like that Gaspode started as kind of a dumb joke mm-hmm. in like the weakest book. And now he's this like useful character. Who's I love Gaspode. Sort of a uh, tangential watchman the same way that the librarian is occasionally when they need some sort of special skill. Right. And they go through the countryside and he uses like his his talking skills to like they free a wolf that ends up leading them to Angua. And mm-hmm. that's all very good. Um. And uh, my my good thing yeah. comes later. We'll talk about that when okay. we get to sort of the climax. Um, but I guess let's talk about the dwarves. Okay, so let's talk about... So first, let's talk about the sort of dwarf civilization. Yes. There's... Um, and Cheery explains all of this. There's something called the Knockermen. So way, 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 way back in dwarf history, there was... Uh, there's a poison gas underground that explodes. So you have these guys who volunteer to be the guys who go in and try and find the, the exploding gas mm-hmm. and explode it. And um, Yeah, and it's explosive. And if you take a candle in there, you're going to blow up. Yeah. So you're down in the dark by yourself trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And you can pre-explode it and not die. And then the area is safe to come into. Mm-hmm. Um, and these develop into what become... Um, basically a priesthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dwarves don't think of it that way. No, they don't have a religion, is. which yeah. is repeated through every book a yeah. dwarf appears in. So it's like, wait, what? But this happens so naturally. It's like, well, they do have a ritual. Yeah, they it's don't, just not religion. It's not God-based. They don't think of it as religion. And there's a lot of times where smart dwarves like the new king say, oh, we think we don't have religion, but we've got this. Well, and we we live in a world where there are gods and they don't as far as we know, have any, Mm -hmm. but they still sure act like they do. And these, um, these figures eventually become, because they spend so much time doing this sort of quasi mystical, important thing, Mm -hmm. uh, become the, uh, the guys who do the, the record keeping and the, the marriage ceremonies and, and all of this. It feels like the high cardinals who pick the Pope. Yeah. That kind of a thing. Yeah. And, um, but something happens. Um, a special lamp is discovered, probably either in Ankh-Morpork or in the Copperhead Mountains, which mm-hmm. is like the other big dwarf right. area, where um, you can see the gas without needing these special not priests to do it. Right. And so the people in, like the dwarves in Ankh-Morpork and the dwarves in the Copperhead Mountains, who are sort of uh, less traditional, say, yeah, duh, we're going to use this and no one's going to die anymore. Yeah. But then the traditionalists say, no, we need to keep We've always them. done it this yeah, way. Yeah, we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of a schism in dwarf culture, mm-hmm. which has led to... When they're picking their new king, um, the Copperhead guys want someone from Copperhead or Ankh-Morpork, mm-hmm. and the traditional guys from Uvervelt want someone from there. Yeah. So they end up picking a third choice, uh, who's going to be the the new king, like low king of the dwarves. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, starts out he, turns out she. Uh, chooses to go by he, though. Yeah. So you have to respect that. You know, chooses to, yeah, but chooses to go by Ag- she. No. No, just acknowledges yeah. acknowledges in the in the presence mm-hmm. of Vimes. Yes, me too. Yeah. Wink, and then goes back to he and right. King. 
because that's how dwarfs work. Well, there's only kings. There's no queen right. dwarfs. Exactly. So um, everything is gendered toward the male. Yeah, everything and is male gendered. I yeah. got the very distinct impression that this was to relieve tension with them and to say, look, I, yeah. I understand more than you realize. However, I am the king of the dwarfs. He, which is to say me. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's just like, it go uh, once once that conversation was over, I feel like he went back to he. But we realize how much of an effect Cheery has had on Dwarf. Like, mm -hmm. it was a nice personal story that started with a single character, but we see this happened several books ago. This has rippled out like crazy, and other people have seen it and come out, and, and now it's a whole scandalous thing. Yeah, and in Ankh Morpork, uh, more dwarves are saying... Well, we saw I, that yeah. at the end of the first story yeah. with that, where a dwarf watchman uh, approached Cheery and said, where do you buy your makeup? Right. And then it's just more and more and more. And we don't know that uh, Cheery was the first uh, dwarf. First one we knew, though. The first one we I, knew. I'd like to think that she is, yeah. just because that makes it even more powerful, because it doesn't cheapen what happened, the personal stuff that happened, because we were in her head the whole mm -hmm. time. But now... Look what you did. Look how brave you are. And there's a point early on before Vimes leaves, uh, uh, Veterinary mm -hmm. says, you can bring some guys. Right. Who are you going to bring? And he says, I'm bringing Cheery and I'm bringing Detritus. I'm like, are you sure? An openly female dwarf mm -hmm. and a troll? Both of those are going to cause trouble. They're good officers and that's who I'm bringing. Also, Vimes likes to cause trouble. Oh, of course he does. But what I like is how brave both of those characters mm -hmm. are for realizing what he's done mm -hmm. and going anyway. Mm -hmm. They could totally have just said, you know, this, this, and this if they is said they didn't want to go, Vimes wouldn't. Yeah, no, them. he wouldn't push it because of no. that. But those two characters get a lot more development in this, and they're so brave for going. Mm -hmm. Cheery in particular has some really good stuff. Well, there's a word in dwarfish in this that mm -hmm. is, um, and all dwarfish sounds sort of like sounds back like of the throat. Yeah, and it's um, drahahak, something like that. Sure, and um. <laughs> It means basically sort of like, it's like abomination. Yeah. Like, you are a bad thing. You are bad. Yeah. And they say that about Cheery because uh, she's <laughs> openly female. Right. And um, when they do, uh, the, for the first time, the first time Detritus hears it, he says, I know that word. That's not a good word. You won't say that word again. Mm -hmm. um, because they're friends. Yes. And... I like that, mm -hmm. but I also like, again, mm -hmm. how much she's had an impact or her way of thinking, mm -hmm. if you want to put it that way. But, and dwarf culture's changing. Yes. And how brave she is to put on her female presenting mm -hmm. makeup and clothing in certain circumstances. And then during the coronation, to not do that, now is not the time to make waves, to make a point. Now is about tradition. And I'm going to respect that because I am a dwarf. She and gets to make a decision. Yes. She decides how yeah. she presents. But the king also says, I notice that you're wearing like traditional dwarfish clothes. But I also notice uh, some subtle touches of lipstick and mascara because yeah. Cheery is still female. Right. She's just choosing to wear traditional dwarf garb today. Yes. But I like there's so many subtle things about mm -hmm. this. And I am not in an authoritative position mm -hmm. to say this is all done perfectly, and if someone wants to correct me, by all means do. But as far as I can tell, he's navigating those waters very well. And early. Yes. This book is from a long time ago. Well, it depends on how you look at mm -hmm. it. Because if you look at it as just a straight feminist thing mm -hmm. about stepping out from patriarchal expectations mm -hmm. and being the woman you want to be, 
it's not quite as progressive mm-hmm. as if you look at it as a metaphor for being trans. And I don't, I, again, this not is, qualified to say. But I have read a lot of trans people saying that this story reads very trans I, to them. I love that it resonates with mm-hmm. them. I just don't know if he meant it that way. It doesn't I don't, matter. I don't know. It doesn't matter what he meant if it if it reads that way. But I'm just curious if he was that far ahead of his time where he actually was thinking about that. Yeah, I have no idea. I would very much have loved to see Terry Pratchett talk about some uh, like trans, more trans and gender stuff because we were starting to do that. Just in the yeah, very, very final book, book yeah. there's a, the, I won't spoil anything mm-hmm. specific, but he comes back to some of the themes of equal rights mm-hmm. where he's like, okay, but what if a boy wanted to be a witch? Right. And there's some very good stuff about gender in that. Yeah. But uh, it was, it felt like he was just sort of starting to turn his yeah, eye. Yeah, because to the zeitgeist themes. was going there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying he's an opportunist or anything. I'm no. saying it's sometimes when the cultural conversation shifts, you go with it. And felt like he probably would have. But if you read it that way, hopefully it works. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not qualified to judge. Just in terms of like from my POV, just watching a character be their best self mm-hmm. and stand up to the people who don't want her to be mm-hmm. is good just on that level alone and all of her friends are there to back her up yes. which is nice that's very very something good. that um i've been sort of reading more about and again this is not my area of expertise no. and i apologize for everything all of the time yes cis white lady doesn't know what's up no um, set us straight seriously yeah. if we're if we're if we're coming at this from the wrong angle tell us but i've read a lot recently about how Every trans story and every queer story doesn't have to be about how hard it is to be trans yeah. and queer and how not every story should be you start with uh, that person being victimized and hurt. Mm-hmm. And in this, Cherry does face opposition, but she pa- she faces it from a place of strength yes. where she's supported. And she ha- not only does she have support of her friends, but she has support of the institution of Ankh-Morpork in the mm-hmm. form of Vimes. Yep. So she is, she's not alone and no one gets to hurt her. Right. No, she has some personal struggles, mm-hmm. but largely, also her character isn't entirely that because mm-hmm. no. she, she serves a, like if you, she was just a random member of the watch, yeah. that would be, well, she's she's the one who's making a statement mm-hmm. about gender and that's it. No, she's the only forensic like officer they have she's and that's one of the reasons vimes brings her right because she's modernized policing she's mm-hmm. very like she's she's brought them into the new century and she helps vimes uh solve the crime of the missing right scone, scone of, stone. of stone which okay dwarf bread i think this yeah. is taking that to its most stupid conclusion i kind of like it their holy relic mm-hmm. is their inedible bread mm-hmm. okay, okay that you have to sit upon to become the king i think that's dumb i liked it just because I thought the, it felt very natural. The dwarf bread thing is such a joke. Mm-hmm. This just felt like building their culture out of a joke just felt like it's all so fleshed out. That just felt like a weird misstep to me. I don't know. I liked it. And especially since we spent time in the dwarf bread museum in an earlier book where That's we true. established that it was important culturally as well as being a funny joke. What I like is so there's the whole plot of the scone has maybe been stolen mm-hmm. or replaced with a replica or what. We never quite know exactly what happened. We do know what happened. Mm, we don't. We do. It, it is 100% textual. Okay, the tell me The king of the then. dwarf says. So uh, the character we haven't talked about, D, mm-hmm. is the is called the ideas taster. Right. And um, that's one of, actually, there's a good runner of Vimes trying to translate 
Well, like, he knows tradi- street dwarf. Yeah, tra- tra- traditional like Ubervelt dwarfish mm-hmm. into something like he quickly It'd tried like to a, do it. Be like a Southern Californian who speaks casual Spanish to Mexicans mm-hmm. going to Spain. Yeah. It is a different language. Yeah. But there are some similarities. So right. You can kind of sort of. It's the same language, the, but yeah. it is so, it's such an offshoot of it. Yeah. Or like an American going going to England. Or it's Parisian not, French know. versus Quebecois French. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, so D is um, basically uh, works very closely with the king and mm-hmm. helps the king with stuff. And um, D is involved in the, the, uh, the, the, the theft of the scone uh, and is working with the werewolves because D doesn't want the current king to be king because uh, D thinks they're too um, progressive. Okay. Uh, so D smashes the scone up um, and intends like in uh, like so that it's it's gone um, and they steal a replica in order to make a replacement so that they can oust the current king then use the fake to set up the the new king which would be a more conservative they person. They steal the replica. That doesn't what? So there's a replica scone. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Why did they kill the rubber guy then? Because he they they made like the one in Ankh-Morpork, uh the replica had stuff carved in it so you knew it was fake. Okay. So they made a replica of the replica without the marking saying it was fake. Right, but why did they kill the guy? The rubber guy helped them make the replica, and he knew about the whole plot. Yes, but killing someone in Ankh-Morpork just means the watch is going to find out. Well, he's going to find out, but they didn't think they would be able to figure it out. Uh, it just like every murder. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. And my point mm-hmm. was, okay, so you know what the plot was. Yeah. It doesn't matter, is my point. The point is... Throughout the story, Vimes keeps trying to put it together and it doesn't make sense. And he just keeps saying that. But why would they steal a replica? But why would they? And this is like two thirds mm-hmm. of the book is him saying, but that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And I like that because a lot of times mysteries get so convoluted. The The point is, it doesn't matter. Well, there's a there's a line in uh, it's Futurama, right? I don't know. Uh, that says uh, this mystery has too many no, things. No, that's from Bojack. Oh, Bojack, yeah. This mystery has too many things. And right. that's been a very useful phrase for us yeah. watching old uh, yeah, noir. Film noir yeah. especially, yeah. Where it's like, oh my God, another character who's also involved in this. No, and the, the whole time he's like getting like injured and chased by werewolves and lack of sleep. Like... He just keeps saying, but but that doesn't make sense. Like he's getting less coherent mm-hmm. and none of this plot makes sense to him. And I just, I like that. Hmm. And ultimately the whole plot didn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter at all. Because the scone was a replica, which was also a replica, which was also a replica, yep. which feeds into your whole thematic yeah, thing. So I, let me first read my quote and okay. then let me talk about. Yeah, this goes into your good thing. Yeah, I'm going to read my quote, then I'm going to talk about my good thing. Yep. And that's going to lead us into a, some more discussion yes, about of course. The, the theme of the book here. <clears throat> So um, Vimes is talking to the new low king of the dwarves here. Mm-hmm. What romantics we dwarves are. Even the very best dwarf bread is crumbles after a few hundred. Fakes, said Vimes. They were all fakes. Suddenly the king was holding his mining axe again. This, my lord, is my family's axe. We have owned it for almost 900 years, see? Of course, sometimes it needed a new blade, and sometimes it required a new handle, new designs on the metalwork, a little refreshing of the ornamentation. But is this not the 900-year-old axe of my family? And because it has changed gently over time, it is still a pretty good axe, you know. Pretty good. Will you tell me this is a fake, too? Yeah, that is that is very good. And mm-hmm. at the end, uh, he gifts Vimes with an axe yeah. and says, 
your descendants someday this will be someone's grandfather's axe and you'll change you might change the blade you might Mm -hmm. change the handle but it'll still be like that is a that is a thing that is a conversation we had you remember that thing and then Mm -hmm. then and as you point out here this is sort of a theme that comes up again and again because so says this is the thing in the whole of the thing Mm -hmm. which means this is it this is the not only is this the physical thing it's also a symbol that represents the thing and it's got the spirit of the thing right in it right like this is the most thingness you can have yes um and, and that's very good and that's something this idea that something can exist so strongly like this is even repeat- if it doesn't exactly physically exist the way it always has yeah, is one of the major themes of this book mm-hmm. um we have the igors again in this mm-hmm. where uh we do more uh, like they're um really sort of um honed a little bit in this book they're not quite yeah. there yet like they become a very good part of the series but they're no but previously when they yeah. came up in carpe juggling you had talked about how their whole thing with uh uh, transplants mm-hmm. and and all that stuff like gets bigger and this is really where that gets for want of a better word fleshed out right and so the idea is even if you replace someone's arms and their legs they're mm-hmm. they're still the same person right and in one of the characters uh one of the igors dies and they keep his brain because at some point they're going to be able to put that back into another body yeah and he will still be igor the, yep. the character is still yeah. the same and the themes are set up so gracefully and gently that you don't notice. You're not being hammered over the head with it. No. But as you get through the books, you keep seeing these these patterns, and it's just it's just done so well. When I talk about how much I love Terry Pratchett, this yeah, is what I'm this talking is, about. Yeah, exactly. And it comes back to the scone, which is there's a grain of truth in it. It is mm-hmm. every like. Of course, it hasn't survived four thousand years or whatever. Are you insane? Like our bread is is hard, it's but good, it's not that yeah. like that hard. And usually, they'll just take a remnant of the previous one and bake it into the next one, and yeah. that just makes it the new scone. And we say it is, therefore, it is. And the idea of, there's an idea in dwarf culture that a grain of actual truth, mm-hmm. like truth being an element, like a thing, like right. a rock, yep. was baked into the original and scone. near the end, when he's trying to get Dee to confess, mm-hmm. he makes him hold his hand mm-hmm. to the stone, and it burns. Mm-hmm. It physically burns as Dee is lying to the king. Right. I love that. And That's that so might good. be in Dee's head, or it, we're in a magic world. Could it could be real. Be real. Yeah. Well... Remember how this magic world works. Mm-hmm. The fundamental thing is belief. Yeah. D believes that, therefore it probably is real. Yeah. So it's it's not magic exactly, but it is. Yeah. Belief. Headology. Yeah. And the watchbooks are so grounded. Mm-hmm. Every now and then I forget they take place in the same world. Like, oh wait, there's a golem. <laughs> yes. But not just that. Yeah. The golem is effectively a robot. Right. Like, I don't really think of these as fantasy books when we get into the watchbooks, and then every now and then something will happen. I'm like, oh right, werewolves. Magic. Yeah. They're, he's fighting werewolves in this, but it's so natural. It's yep. the world is so well defined at this point that all of those things just fit, and new elements come in all the time, and it's just added to the tapestry so effectively. That's so good. And uh, near the end, we find out mm-hmm. that uh, Dee is a woman. So that's something I wanted to talk about. Um, there, there is a moment in the book where um, Dee, it, like it turns out, like. 
D, D, the king's making D explain, like, why yeah. did you do this? Holding, what did you do? Holding his hand to the sky. And D says, um, it's it's there's there's people like cheery wandering around in this like in in dresses and being able to present this way and it's wrong it's unnatural and i can't do it so why can they uh-huh. and it's a very satisfying moment in the book but i've kind of been thinking about it yeah. and again oh, all right all right we've said this a uh, hundred times but there is a trope of this character becoming evil because they're like a self-hating gay or a yeah. self-hating trans person uh-huh. or whatever. And No, that's happened with race stuff too. Yeah, and as much as I really enjoyed Dee's story and I could I understood it. Like mm-hmm. I understood like I well, very it much it seems like a valid motivation for a person to have. Whether or not it is problematic, it does feel like something people someone would actually feel it, and it, think. It feels like something like that's something that sort of hits close to home. Yeah. Like when I see somebody have something that I can't have instead of like yeah, your I, natural I base instinct is, is, yeah. I should be able to have that. Yeah. And if I can't have it, I And your might... civilized brain says, yeah. no, don't you, act like yeah. that. <laughs> and so I can I can understand the motivation. And mm-hmm. I, I like, I, I don't know. I, like I say, I find it very understandable. I don't know if it's good representation, though. I think it might be it. a little sort of problematic. But well, then, on the other hand, not all of the weight that's is being the put thing. on these shoulders. That's what you've always told me, is like, if there's several women in a thing and one of them is not written very well, it's okay, because they don't represent all women. And in this case, several, I think, the, doesn't the king end up also saying, yeah, we just talked about this. Yeah. Also, I am a woman. So there's like, yeah. there's a bunch. So th- that doesn't necessarily like mean all of the closeted woman dwarves are bad people just right. this one also i think there were more motives than just that that was one of them that, that was, was sort of that, the that, that was felt, the climax of the speech and that felt like you know we're we're not talking about this no we are like that felt like yeah. the, when you talk about the grain of the truth in the thing that yeah. that that felt like the rock upon That's, which of all uh, of yeah, these stuff was built but what i what i did like mm-hmm. about that you, you you raise a good point mm-hmm. and i don't disagree with any of that i hadn't thought about it until just now but the moment when mm-hmm. Cheery then goes and say, oh, well, I'll go talk to you, girl to girl. It's mm-hmm. okay. And then later we find out. Well, Lady Sybil says it was really nice of you uh-huh. to help Dee in her time of need. Oh, I was I was interrogating her. Yeah, and then it I turns out. I was getting out... her to name names. Like, I'm still a cop. And I liked that. Because that. And Cheery looks a little sheepish. But that's what i was talking about uh-huh. cheery is not just this issue uh-huh. cheery is also her job uh-huh. cheery also feels a sense of duty like uh-huh. there's more to her character than just i am a woman look at me defiantly being a woman it's also no i didn't just go to comfort the other woman what i did was my job which is what i'm here to do and cheery does have a lot like she yeah. is also she's very close with angua she has a crush on carrot there's uh, so much more of the Ang- like she yeah. and Angua don't interact in this book, but yeah. in Thud, they, that comes back strong. They go out drinking together, and it's oh, it's so good. Um, but since you mentioned Lady Sybil, mm-hmm. I want to talk about her. This is actually my bad thing. Sybil is weirdly underserviced in all of these books. For she looms large over the books. As, ha ha. As great a character as she is, yeah. I remember, like my memory of her is every bit as fleshed out as detritus mm-hmm. carrot like all the second tier guys who aren't vimes mm-hmm. or maybe even veterinary like she was the next mm-hmm. level down from vimes we knew so much about her and she she did so many good things and it's like she's barely in any of the books 
and we're almost done now. There's not almost, that many watchbooks left. She, uh, no, there's still like five. Yeah. But she has almost no agency. Mm-hmm. She's usually a hostage. And it's weird how much I remember her being mm-hmm. like good, but she's like, and there's plenty of decent female characters in this, but like you have Angua, you mm-hmm. have Lady Margalata, you have Angua's mother. Uh, you cheery. Have a bu- cheery. You have yeah. a bunch of the dwarfs. And this is a very cheery, heavy book. Yeah, like, there's, a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of ladies in this. So it's not like the cock forest problem. Right. It's just that she doesn't have that much to do. And there's some dumb, hacky husbands don't oh, listen God. to wives that stuff. That part felt shitty because I want to believe that Vimes is a good husband who loves Sybil but is bad at expressing yes, himself. Yes, that's so much better. That that English sort of, yeah. I grew up on the streets and I don't know how to process my emotions kind of thing. Also, and I'm a cop. A lot of this is him learning how to process yeah. his emotions. Like as the series goes on, he gets better at it. He does because they have a kid, which is yeah. the big reveal in this. She's, but... There's some, okay, so there's some dumb hacky stuff mm-hmm. about how he doesn't listen to his wife and how he tunes her out mm-hmm. and just says, yes, dear, unless mm-hmm. she says something important, which. That sucks. That's also a very old, tired, mm-hmm. insensitive joke. I would be, like, hurt. Like, if it, look, like, actually hurt. Look, I'm ADHD. Yeah. Sometimes I don't always hear what you're saying. It's not because I don't want to listen to you. It's because I can't well, no concentrate. One, no one actively listens 100% of the time. Like sometimes people I know. fuzz out a little bit but and some, you have to refocus yourself. But sometimes I do autopilot to not hurt your feelings, but it is never because I don't want to listen to you. But Vimes is doing this not... It's not because he's... He's not interested in what he, she has to say. because he's not interested. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's, she's talking about curtains or whatever, woman well, stuff. Well, she's talking about, like, what they're going to need on the trip. Yeah. Which is kind of important. Yeah. 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 But what she's trying to tell him in the whole book is mm-hmm. she's going to have a baby. But he and, won't listen. And it finally gets through in the last pages, and mm-hmm. that's in the later books what makes him get better. Mm-hmm. Not her, because they've been married for three books now, and he hasn't. He will get better when they have a kid, which extra sucks. He improves some uh, getting married he like it's what makes him finally give up alcoholism yeah but Uh, but he's still not great to her he's not and he'll get better i I want him to be a good husband but reading the these books Mm -hmm. he's really not no and he'll leave her like everything is more important than sybil yeah and it's sad because she feels like that's true yeah Um, and there's a moment where you know because we always talk about sybil being old friends with the most important people mm-hmm. on the disc. She calls veterinary Havelock. She's corresponded for years mm-hmm. with the Baroness, uh, Angua's mother. Mm-hmm. And Who it the, turns out she doesn't actually like. Yeah, the Baroness, like, just sort of rolls her eyes at the letters and throws them away. Like, ugh, this sad, fat woman. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. I kind of like the, the horrible meanness of mm-hmm. all that. But there's a moment where... Sybil goes, you never answered my letters. And it's like, this is it. This is the climax I remembered. And then it just passes and Vimes takes over. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I remembered this being a big confrontation and this really paying off to Mm -hmm. like, you are the worst because you're not only not my friend, you pretend to be my friend and you're not. And don't think I don't notice that Mm -hmm. because I'm not just the big, like fat one that always lets everyone talk. Mm -hmm. I have feelings and you hurt them. And no, it's just like three lines and then it's over. And, and it's like, there's a, there is some nice writing where Terry Pratchett talks about how Sybil is yeah. kind and she ha- is in this situation where she's always been, she's always told to say nice things to people. No, and I and like she, that. Yeah. I like that very much about her character. It's just then at some point. She needs 
to, someone needs to go too far. Yes, and I thought that was. Yeah. I remembered that moment but of her right. saying, Vimes "You didn't just answer comes my letters." In and, but it's it yeah. becomes Vime's scene. That should have been where she snapped. Yeah, and said, "I can be nice. I will let you push me, but there is a too far, and yeah. you have done it." That never happens, and it sucks because this character could be so much better. There's a lot I like about Lady Sybil. I like every time we get into her yeah. head is like, this is a really interesting person yeah. that we just cut we just away ignore. from. Yeah. We just cut away from her yeah. again. Oh, come on. We ignore her just like Vimes does. Oh, no. So I was worried that I wouldn't have a proper good mm-hmm. thing, and this is kind of a bad cheat. Thing. Be- well, yeah, that's what I mean. It's kind of a cheat because it's a bad thing cumulatively Mm -hmm. over several books but it really called attention to itself here because she went with him the whole time Mm -hmm. she's not someone he comes home to she's there for this whole story and she doesn't do any the story would be exactly the same if she wasn't there there's a good there's a cup she has a couple of good moments there's a bit where um vimes is done he solved the crime and he's turned off yes and the king says, "Okay, well, what can we do, what can we do for Ankh Morpork since you've solved this crime?" And oh, us with that all was this. a good moment. Yes, and Sybil uh, does all of the negotiating for uh, the fat and the iron and all the stuff like that they want. It's like two paragraphs of very specific economic language mm-hmm. that she just suddenly is a savant about, and it didn't feel out of character. It just no, felt like, said, oh, she, now it it's said, time for her to shine. She said she'd been reading the report yeah. that Vimes hadn't been reading. Also, she's been traveling in these mm-hmm. circles forever, and she probably has a base education in it in the first mm-hmm. place. So she's qualified. And a, a lot, like in stories, a lot of diplomats' wives... Yeah. Like they are in, smart like, in real life. In real life too. There I, are a lot of examples I of. I don't know that much about I, it. I have definitely read. I know a lot about stories. I've definitely read some history stuff yeah. where it's like the only thing that saved us from going to war was the diplomat's wife going out with the opposing diplomat's mm-hmm. wife and not just having a friendly mm-hmm. tea, but hashing out some shit mm-hmm. that happens. That, I mean, that makes sense. That I would mean, be such just... a great role for her to, to say, you know what, Sam, you are a very good cop. Mm-hmm. Technically, you're the ambassador. However, you're terrible. At you're this. terrible at this. Why don't you just let me be the ambassador and yeah. you take the credit for it? Yeah. That would be such a good use of her. And it, we could then talk about, again, something that does happen historically where women do the work and men get the credit. Yeah, that would be a good thing to talk about and how she has to acknowledge that that's mm-hmm. what happens and doesn't like it, but also... Has... And Vimes would hate it. Oh, of course he would. Yeah. Because he doesn't like social injustice. And no, that's and my favorite thing about him. He does love Sybil. But he's he does. Bad, he's bad at it. Though. He's just bad at showing it. Mm-hmm. But he absolutely does, and it's just frustrating to me. Um, but we're we're getting near our time, yeah. so I want to talk about my good things. Okay. So the whole time, Angua, we barely even talked about her, but mm-hmm. that we just because I'm not that interested. I, I don't care what you say. I think she has had an excellent arc over all of these books, and I think this is a good, like, uh, sort of climax to all that. She's had to face. For the longest time, she's dealt with being a werewolf mm-hmm. versus being a human and what that means. Living as a werewolf with humans is difficult. Now she tries to be a werewolf living with wolves, mm-hmm. and that's also difficult. She's this character between two worlds. And you read so much stuff about werewolves, this is mm-hmm. probably old hat to you. It is new and interesting to me. I see. I've just, I think Terry Pratchett could take a better swag at that, at a liminal character who's stuck between the two worlds. I thought he did a good job. And I like her, and I like seeing that her brother is what she would have been if she'd stayed behind. Mm -hmm. Like, this is all the stuff that she has in her, but she keeps it down. He's also the reason she left. Yeah, Yeah. but but it's a nice reflection of her. Mm -hmm. Like, that that standard storytelling device of you see what the person could be. And it's what she's scared of. Yeah. It's why she pushes Carrot away because and, she thinks that this will happen to her. And we finally deal with all of that. Yeah. It's been bubbling under the surface. And 
it frustrates her that he's not territorial like yeah. a wolf. It's not like, okay, if you need to leave, go ahead and leave. But why don't you chase after me? Mm-hmm. I don't know, because you said you needed to leave. And I, I don't know. I really like all that stuff. To me, a lot of that reads like, you need to know what I'm thinking, but I won't tell you what I'm thinking. Mm, some of it. But I think enough of it doesn't that it's okay. I think it's just... She if has it was a... more clear, it was wolf stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't this book to me. If, like nonverbal cues because she is a she is part of a wolf. But it really to me read like if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. I can see interpreting it that way, yeah. but I don't. In any case, she's now running with a wolf called Gavin, mm-hmm. who is like the most badass wolf, and his name is Gavin. Um, and Gaspode says uh, he's a male wolf, like very male, mm-hmm. like. He's like and and uh, carrot eventually says, yeah, okay, I get it, thank you, <laughs> carrot, who's while has while he has had sex, still super mm-hmm. like wholesome, and just okay, Gaspo, that's enough. I know, I get it, dicks. <laughs> uh, also, there's a good moment where uh, carrot's talking about because um, the 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 guy who they kill, the rubber maker, makes mm-hmm. condoms, mm-hmm. and uh, carrot's very uncomfortable with it, and Angus yes. like, are you fucking kidding me with this? Yeah. We boned. Yeah. We boned a long time ago. Yeah. We use these. Yes. Because we don't want to have puppies. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Gavin is this, like, I thought pretty interesting character as yeah. well. This wolf who is into Angua and who is like sort of this alpha wolf mm-hmm. in, like, apparently that's not a thing, but in stories it yeah. is. And all the wolves respect him to the point where if he says so, they will pull a sleigh with one right. of the humans on it. And... Uh, during the big climactic fight between Angua's brother mm-hmm. and Vimes, uh, there's a moment where Vimes is losing, mm-hmm. and then uh, Gavin and Gaspode come in and and just like help save the day, mm-hmm. and um, Gavin ends up dying in the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna get you to read my quote just because uh, I'm actually tearing up a little because it is a very moving part for me. So if you wouldn't mind, that's fine. I've highlighted it in yellow. It starts with O oh, said Gaspode. It's the wrong color. Yes, it's yellow. Yours are blue, mine are yellow. Um but uh so so Gavin has died. Gaspode has always been terrified of mm-hmm. this wolf, but respects the hell out of him and he doesn't know how to handle it, and then this happens. Oh, said Gaspode. Death leaned down. There was a flash of blue and then he vanished. Gaspode shivered. He paddled into the water and nudged Gavin's sodden fur with his nose. Shouldn't be like this, he whined. If you was a human, they put you on a, a they put you in a big boat on the tide and set fire to it, never in at sea. Shouldn't just be you and me down here in the cold. There was something that had to be done too. He knew it in his bones. He crawled back to the bank and pulled himself up onto the trunk of the fallen willow tree. He cleared his throat. And then he howled. It started badly, hesitantly, but it picked up and got stronger, richer. And when he paused for breath, the howl went on and on, passing from throat to throat across the forest. The sound wrapped him as he, the sound wrapped him as he slid off the log, and struggled on high on towards higher ground. It lifted it lifted him over the deeper snow. It wound around the trees, a plating of many voices, becoming something with a life of its own. He remembered thinking, maybe it'll even get as far as Ankh-Morpork. Maybe it'll get much farther than that. Yeah. That was that that gets to me every time. Just like 
we talked about the granny moment last book. Yep. This is that moment in this book where it's like, oh, this is everything. Also, sad dogs. Yep. No sad dogs. sad dogs. But also, they're not just dogs because sometimes I react to dogs mm-hmm. as dogs. These are hu- like human-ish, mm-hmm. like anthropomorphized characters mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like relating to them like they're people. And Gavin is also, there's an uh, an implication that Gavin might be part werewolf way back. Yeah, there's some talk of like how some werewolves choose to be wolves the entire time and then just start breeding with dogs or lose themselves like Angua's uh-huh. brother did, just became a wolfhound and just that was it. And there's um, uh, werewolves that they call Yannicks who are not able to transform. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, that repeating theme. A Yannick who is a wolf is still a werewolf, yes. even if they can't transform. Right. A dwarf is a dwarf. A werewolf is a werewolf. Right. No, that's all very good. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that moment is very good. Uh, we should probably start wrapping things up unless you have any other major things to talk about. I have a million things to talk about. So do but I. I could talk about this book for like a yeah. hundred years. This is this is a real meaty one. It is. So was the last one. Yeah. And several more to come. This is just what we're going to run into here. Um, my official bad thing. Oh, yes. Um, I, I talked about a couple of, like we talked about mm-hmm. sort of critically about a couple of things that I sort of had some problems with in this, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to just say, you know, I can't get into Angua again. Right. Or, um, and, and I'm not, like I said, I'm, I'm not sure. The D thing, yeah. I don't know. It's I don't complicated. Know. It's complicated. And I didn't want to say, my bad thing is this. Um, mm-hmm. So my bad thing is, I like the Ugors. I like their place in the upcoming books. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of what they had to say in this. The bits about the Igors being Igors were very good. Mm-hmm. And there's some funny jokes in it as well about how they always do well with the ladies because they can do whatever they want. Ha ha, dicks, dicks, yeah, dicks, but dicks. There's also every single time one of them appears, yes. people make disparaging comments about them. It's and just the fat jokes again. It's That's what I don't like. Yeah. Um, there's some of these comedy bits that go on too long mm-hmm. and Vime says some pretty mean stuff which is Vimesy but it's not very clever it's just mean no and I it's better mm-hmm. than the fat jokes because they're not he's not making fun of anyone that is real there aren't right. such a thing as Igor's right but it's still mean spirited for the sake of being mean spirited and it's constant and he just never lets up no, and, and it, I laughed despite myself at a few of them, but it's like, ah, that was mean. Yeah, a couple, and some of the jokes were funny, but all of them were too long. They went on for too long. Yeah. It doesn't, Vimes can be mean and he can be mean-spirited. It's part of his character. Yeah, but usually his arc is he's mean about mm-hmm. the next thing he has to accept, and by the end of the book, he's accepted it. And, and the Igors, he, I guess. He does, because yeah. he, he comes to realize, oh, shit, these guys keep. He ends up wanting to take one back with him because, like, having someone who can stitch a Watchman back together would be very useful in our dangerous line of work. Yeah, and the eager they take with them is one who doesn't want to do the master. that fits that template Mm -hmm. of a Terry Pratchett rebellious youth. We have these a lot. We had it in Jingo where it's, like, the son of the fisherman. It's like, come on, Dad. And he's had a bunch of these, and I love that. And... He says, I will call no man master. Yeah. And it's it's very good. But and the it, jokes about how ugly they are and about ugh. their speech impediment just goes on. It goes on, on too much. It sucks. Yeah, it does. It. Uh, I will say, normally I say it sucks and it's not funny. Yeah. A couple of these were funny. I kept finding myself yeah. occasionally laughing. They like, were ugh. well-constructed jokes, they but were. they were mean. And just because yeah. something is a little funny, if it's super mean, fuck off with it then. I Well, I don't want Vimes to be mean. No. If... If like um, 
the Baroness had said something mean and funny. That's oh, different. Yeah, that that's is different. A, that is a cruel character. Yeah, because she sucks, so yeah, it's okay. It, exactly. It, and then again, the narrator makes some of the mean jokes. Yeah. And when the narrator makes the mean jokes, that don't. That's the book's official position. Yeah. Like, it's okay to laugh at this. Now, we didn't even talk about Lady, Lady Margolotta. Uh, we should... Okay, so very briefly, let's talk about her Lady, Lady Margolotta. Oh, I'm going to be editing this into next year. Uh, Go ahead. So she is the head of the vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the first Black Ribboner character we meet, which mm-hmm. is the where the vampires who don't drink human yeah, blood. Yeah, they're teetotalers. They don't, yeah. they don't drink blood. And there's a whole discussion about what you replace that drive with. Right. Uh, and a lot of she talks to Vimes because she understands a craving mm-hmm. that you... No, and... and... It's so easy on the surface to do the joke about I'm addicted to blood, I'm addicted to booze, mm-hmm. but there's so much thematically going on there because what she says is what a vampire really craves is power. Right. And when you look at it, that's not exactly what Vimes craves, but he has absolutely he... filled the hole in his life with something else. And he doesn't want power, but he does want control. Yes. He wants control over mm-hmm. himself, over the city, over the actions of others. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into that more in, in other in, books. Yeah. But, but And there's... An implied history between her and Vetinari that will be explored at greater length in in later books. There is, and um, it sounds like they met when he was doing what they call the grand sneer, which right. is you someone the from upper Lord class Lord... boys going to the foreign countries and going, "Ugh, this is how you do it here." Yeah, and so it's implied that they meet there, and uh, when they sort of they sort of reconnect in mm-hmm. later books, and their relationship is awesome. Yeah. It's, it really most of it's subtextual like you get a few lines and you kind of have to draw yeah but it's because it's so constant because it yep. keeps coming up it's pretty easy to figure out it is and it's again you have to you have to be looking for it but it's so good yeah it is um but yeah there's there's a lot more stuff we never we never talked about yeah and it's just we can't we make can't a five-hour podcast i could like, talk about this book for five we've been talking about this book all like all week i could talk about this book yeah non-stop uh i don't know my D and D alignments because I don't D and D. But would you describe Lady Margolotta as chaotic? Good, is that right? Because she she keeps nosing into things. Mm-hmm. She's doing it for the greater good, but she keeps intervening and just kind of fucking things up a little bit. Well, she also believes in fairness. Yeah. Uh. So that yeah. So she's she's a really cool character, and I wish we had more time to talk about her, but we don't. Yeah. So let's move let's move it right along, and I'll all do right. The, Why don't you do uh, the, the pune or play on words? Well, this is all me reading quotes this time. Enjoy that, everyone. Vimes recalled something Igor had said. Sometimes dwarves working the high strata, where fat had congealed into a kind of tallow millions of uh, millennia ago, dwarves occasionally found strange ancient animals, perfectly preserved, fried to a crisp. Probably, Vimes found himself laughing out of sheer exhaustion. Probably, battered to death. That mwahaha is textual. It's in there. Yeah, that is. Uh, that is in there. Also, we never even talked about the fat. Oh, right. Which comes uh, from the titular fifth elephant. Like, there are four elephants supporting the world. One of them somehow ended up flipping around and mm-hmm. falling to the world, and now there's congealed fat under Overwald. And that's used for candles yeah. and, like, yeah. all, all kinds of industrial things that Ankh Morpork needs. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's no time. There's no time. There's no time. Okay, so our cliche count... Uh, extremely light very light there was hardly any no susurrations no surreptitious no something that happens to other people only two gingerlies which i think in a 400 page book is about right that's you could say gingerly twice that's fine uh there's no quantums Mm -hmm. however there's a whole thing with death 
where it's mm-hmm. basically Schrodinger's cat, where mm-hmm. death shows up at potential deaths, and that kind of counts. It's, he doesn't use the word yeah. quantum, but he's definitely playing around with that idea. He says it plays Mary Hell with his schedule. Yes. And uh, it happens in another book, and I always conflate the two, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it's Thud again, where Vimes says, I'm having a near-death experience, and death says, no, I'm having a near-Vimes experience. Right. And I was waiting for the line, and no, it never that's, happened. that's in the other one, That's yeah. in Thud. Yeah. Because it happens a few times, because if you're focusing mostly on Vimes, and he's not dying... How do you bring death into it? Right. Well, here's how. Because Vimes is almost always uh-huh. dying. Okay. So my grade, an A. Just a straight up A. Not an A plus like the previous one, but real, real close. Oh. You? Oh, I agonized. You know, I originally put A, but I'm going to put A plus. Thinking of the more I think about it, the more I fucking love this book. It's That's so fair. good. There were a couple of things that I thought could have happened shorter. Yep. I thought the pacing was a little weird. I thought we're starting to get into the land of the one-hour epilogue. I love the one-hour epilogues, though. I don't particularly. I love it. When the story ends, you wrap it up. I am a fan of the one-hour epilogue, mm. so... I love these characters, and I would love to spend a lot of time with them, but on the other hand, it feels like you balanced your book weird. I guess it's because of all of the video games I play, but uh, mm. I like the DLC where we spend three hours following up after the story is over those Mm. are always my favorite ones so Mm, i love these i don't like i don't dislike them it just feels not very well organized love them all right so next time we are doing a book that we may be very sharply divided on yes the truth uh maybe not it's been a long time since we both read it so we may have different opinions now that's also i've seen more of the source material Mm -hmm. than when i had read this the first time but i've only read it once I've read it once or twice, but it's been a very, like, it's maybe been 10 years, so it's been a long time. And Picture me crossing my arms and shaking my head. There aren't many books like that left. Like, we got the one real bad one on the horizon, and then that's it. And the truth isn't poorly constructed. It's not no. a bad book. No, it we're just, still in the land of interesting themes like and it. characters. But yeah, so that's next time. Uh, but that is all for this time. This has been a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019 and 2020. For full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening. <laughs>